Good job, Kim. We're on. And all of our listeners just missed a very good conversation that we all just had of Kim trying to set out all of our equipment up by hey, herself. I did it. You did not do it without help. You walked me through it. You didn't show me anything. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She got her banky on. Yes. It's cold. Josh is looking like Mr. Rogers. I love me a sweater Oh, my sweater gosh. He vest. does look like Mr. Rogers. He does. I do like the buttons on your sweater. Uh-huh. It's very stylish, unique. It reminds me of shark teeth. Yeah. Shark teeth. Yeah. And did you notice that Josh and I have drink cups right now that match our Mystery Ink logo that's on the wall? Unplanned. Did you get the same? You didn't get the same no. thing he did, did you? I got the Southern Bale. <laughs> Mine's the black paper. You work at the Southern Bay. It's so good. good. It's peach, strawberry, coconut. Mm. Ooh, We're talking about good. there's a tea place next door. So they oh. have like a bitter tasting tea. It's not bitter. It's sour. Tart. Mm. I, I call it bitter. Bitter and sour is two completely different things. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong word then, but I, would, I always refer to it as bitter. Like if you make me sour, I'm probably going to end up a little bitter. <laughs> Coffee like, is bitter. Just plain coffee is bitter. But I don't drink plain coffee. That's probably why I don't know what the flavor of bitter tastes like. All right. I'll give you that one. (laughs) Privilege. (laughs) I'll give you that one. No. But speaking of coffee, so I bought some new creamer at my house. What kind is it? It's Starbucks white chocolate mocha. Oh, yeah. I got the caramel macchiato one, the zero sugar added one. I accidentally purchased sugar-free. If you don't I was want it, I'll so take it. I was so excited. I got home and I was like, this is going to taste so delicious in my coffee. And like, you know, that feeling of like, I'm going to make coffee and it's mm-hmm. like four o'clock in the afternoon and I do not need coffee right now on the weekend. Yeah. And I, I started making it and I thought as I poured it in, because I know, and I'm sure you listening, I'm sure you know, like when you make coffee, you know how much creamer you normally put in your coffee and what your coffee looks like. Like, you just have it down. And I put my normal amount of creamer in my coffee. And what I do is, so that I don't have to stir it, I just put the creamer in first. Yeah. Mm, I do that with the flavoring because I use the coffee flavoring too. So I put my creamer in first, put it underneath my Keurig and turn it on. And when I went and reached it out, I thought, that doesn't look right. (laughs) That that color is not right. And I went and got a spoon, and I was like, maybe it just didn't mix up right. And I stirred it, and it still wasn't white and creamy as it normally is. And then I took a sip of it. That's because you use more creamer than you do coffee. Yeah, but it should still have looked the same that I normally, (laughs) you know. So I took a sip of it, and I was like, "Mm mm-mm, something's wrong with that creamer. (laughs) And I went back to the refrigerator, and I opened it up, and I looked at that creamer. Sugar. And hidden was that sugar it they blended no, in there real it well. says no sugar added. It has a little bit of sugar in it. They've not just enough. not put any. Burn it. It's Burn natural it. sugar. I can't stand it. I would rather die. Please to tell be me you didn't dump you. that out. I might have dumped it out. Oh. No, I don't remember. It might still be in the fridge. I'll have to look. I'll have to double check for you. If I've you blocked have it, it out of my memory. Me I've blocked it out. I've plucked it. You don't know that Gone scene, forever. Kim, because Kim hasn't watched Harry Potter because she is just too good. But you remember that scene where Dumbledore just uses his wands yeah. and just plucks those memories? That's what I did. Like a little hair. <laughs> Pluck that memory. Of well, that. keep it in there a little so you make sure to look next time real real well. 
I don't know what it is about the sh- and I don't mind sugar-free stuff. If I drink soda ever, it's diet soda. I, I rarely drink soda, and if I do, it's diet. So I really don't mind sugar-free. I don't mind sugar-free candy. But for some reason, sugar-free creamer. We just don't have that down. As a human race, it's an abomination. we just don't have it down. I don't know if it's the cream that they're using in it. We just don't have it. It doesn't have the same flavoring. It does not bother me thickness. in the least. Now, the I did get the Grinch uh, sugar cookie one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't in sugar-free, so it was normal, and I thought it was too sweet. I liked it, but I just why, didn't put it in it. Why didn't you just it. use less? I did. I, I just put less in it. Yeah. I don't like the almond milk creamer. I've tried to use it a few times. I wish that I liked it. It came out like thick and grayish looking Mm -hmm. and it looked like it had gone bad but it hadn't and it doesn't it doesn't make your coffee the right color no matter how much you put in it it's not as light i think that the starbucks one that he's talking about i think it is a little thicker than what the normal that i Uh, usually get when i poured it i thought oh this seems mm -hmm. really thick i think this gone and curdled (laughs) (laughs) what i really would like i would really enjoy a coffee creamer that has oat milk because i really like oat milk yeah. of any alternative milk oat milk is the, my better one i just think that the flavor of it is so much similar to regular milk but the almond milk coffee creamers i agree with you there is some flavoring that's off in it mm-hmm. and when i add it to my coffee can't do it and i also have a bone to pick with anyone who uh, why are you looking at me when you're saying this? Because you, are you? No, I really wish me? I got. A I either have you or Josh to talk to. <laughs> well, I'd rather not look at you. Good luck. We had Kim. this discussion at lunch. But I need to be nice to people. <laughs> exactly. We almost no. found Kim a blind old man. We did to take her in. We did. But no, the other creamer I really cannot stand. But I really wish I liked it. Is hazelnut? Ooh, I don't do hazelnut. The sound of it and the look of it. Makes me think that I would like it. And it smells I, good. Yeah, it does. It, it smells good. And I I think probably once every other year, I think to myself, you know, maybe this is going to sound so Welcome weird. Welcome to the mystery coffee yeah, hour. <laughs> right. Every, I feel like once every other year, and it's I feel like it's always around Christmas time. I tell myself, you know, maybe I had a bad batch of it the last right, time. I do it too. Or maybe my flavoring was off on my mouth at that time. Maybe my taste buds so have weird. changed and I'm going to like it. But I mean, evidently people enjoy it. They don't I know don't what's do. good. I don't hazelnut. know that I've ever tried the hazelnut. It tastes really. very chemically. Like whenever I've had the only hazelnut thing I like is Nutella. It does taste chemically and it also has this chemical nut flavor yeah. <laughs> flavoring and for some reason it just turns the flavor of my coffee <laughs> and it also doesn't have the right cream balance for, I love, for me i love me a good nut but ugh, something about it we we've know heard, josh we've heard, we know. something we've about that i couldn't resist <laughs> we've heard josh my favorite is the irish cream i like the irish that cream one a is lot. really good mm-hmm. i i do get that one often irish cream that is good. I'm a basic vanilla. I don't mess around with flavored coffees. Just give me my vanilla or sometimes white chocolate mocha with the sugar. I'm a basic vanilla ice cream person. I'll do oh. the French vanilla 
and the Irish cream's my favorite. And I'm, now I do like that mm. Starbucks caramel macchiato one. Yeah, I'll see. Every once in a while, that Almond Joy one. Mm-mm. That one Almond is Joy? Good. Yeah, they have an Almond Joy creamer. Ooh, it's good. I might need to try that. Chocolate and coconut. Mm. Well, see, I need to be a little careful because if it gets too sweet, like candy, I feel like I have the shakes. Oh, yeah. Sugar and <laughs> caffeine. Yeah, like, because I, yeah, I need to be really careful on the sugar amount because I want it creamy and just the right amount of sugar. Yeah. I don't want to go overboard on the sugar. I've used all the one that you got me when you gave me the Christmas gift. Oh, yeah. Of the huge. The pumpkin. Pumpkin pump. Yeah, what I ended up doing, they have like this pumpkin sauce. Yeah. That you can add to it. So I ended up getting that. So then I would just use some of the the pump and then I would also use the sauce. Ooh. And it was... Uh, like the coffee then, flavorings? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. It's like a alternative to creamer. <laughs> so I would mix it in with milk. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It was... I mean, it's so good. I always so put good. a little bit of the flavoring in it and then put a little bit of... It did take me a little bit. I had to buy the actual like pump thing because mm-hmm. I started because Josh got me a huge bottle of it and I started using like I have three of those big bottles of different flavors. Oh. Yeah, the torta whatever sauce. Yeah, so I started using the teaspoons that oh, I yeah. measure stuff out in. There's this thing that I have and I don't like feeling sticky. Oh, right, yeah. so I would pour some down Princess. and it would, <laughs> and I would get like sticky stuff on my hands or down the bottle. I'm like, no, I can't do. I can't. <laughs> I can't deal with it. So then I found like where you just buy the pump. Y'all should have heard him last week after he had had pancakes before we started recording last week. He <laughs> was, was complaining. It's so sticky. Uh-huh. It was. It was so sticky. For the pump sauce, it took me a while to figure out like the perfect measurement for my coffee. Like the balance between so milk, pumps. coffee, okay, and Okay, so you use actual coffee cups, right? A big coffee cup. Yeah. Okay, I use the stainless steel tumblers, mm, so I yeah, put yeah. two pumps in it. I use two pumps. Again, two, two pumps. <laughs> two pumps, Kim. Yeah, That's all it takes. You, it you heard it, it here. Twice. Two pumps and Kimmel. <laughs> two pumps, no. guys. No, no, no. I don't take a two-pump chump. <laughs> <laughs> so I would do two pumps of it, and then I would also put in two squirts of the sauce, and then I would add in milk. And it was that was the perfect combination but it took me a while to figure it out because if you put in just a little bit too much of the pumps, it's way too sweet because it's like so refined. It is a syrup. Oh my gosh, it's like, it's just way too sweet. But if you put in too little, it's, I mean, there's just a fine line between way too sweet and, oh my God, I can't taste anything in this. It tastes like milky. Sugar. Yeah, it tastes like milky coffee, you know. Well, that's what you drink anyway. Only with no. flavoring. Yeah, with some sugar and you have, flavoring. You have just enough coffee to make it a little off-colored. Look, I like coffee with my creamer. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. I just like the way the coffee makes me feel. Like any good addict. Oh, I just love me. I, I can drink black coffee. I'm not I above cannot. it. It's, I'd rather Grandma have black to. coffee. That's how I got Ugh. the acquired taste. And it has zero calories. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't mm. do that. No. Read that in RuPaul's book. I cannot do this. <laughs> Oh, I started Reba's book this morning on the oh, way. Good. Yeah, on the way up. I'm reading Is it one good so far? about uh, Sylvia Brown, one of her books about oh. creation and the levels of humanity and hell mm. and all that jazz. Have you read Reba's yet? Not yet. It's on my Spotify list. It starts out her talking about when her mother passed away and oh, I wanted wow. to cry right off the bat. And I'm like, geez, 
But no, it, it has been really good so far. I saw a lot of people help narrate it. Dolly Parton yeah, she, does a little part. Mm-hmm. And I realized, because she was the first one that talks on the audio book, and I realized how old she's starting to sound. Dolly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sound like a little You mentioned lady. Sylvia Brown. I remember watching her with you at Grandma's house when we were really little. Montana Williams. The Montana Williams <laughs> show, yeah. Hello. I remember watching those, too. I but, read it in her voice, too. <laughs> do you remember when she got in that big trouble, though? No. Do you remember this? No. She got in big, like, big trouble because she had, you know, people go on. I think it might have even been Montel Williams' show. People go on there and ask questions all the time. And a mom went on there, and her, I guess her daughter had been missing for a long time. And she asked, would my daughter ever be found? And she said, no, I'm sorry, honey. Your daughter was killed. And oh, Jesus. she laid out all the details. Well, come to find out that her daughter wasn't really killed. She was kidnapped. She had been held hostage for, I believe it was years. I don't remember all the details. Hmm. Later on, they would come to find this missing person, this woman, and all the details come back to Sylvia Brown. And so she got a lot of criticism because this mom, yeah, because she told this mom that, you know, she should accept that her daughter had been killed. Right. So I'm just like, boy, if I told people that I had special abilities, I would not be like dealing with missing Mm -mm. people, murdered people, steer away from any of that. Can you imagine how that mom would have felt? Oh yeah. Trying to get closure. Okay. I'll believe Sylvia. I'll accept it. Just to learn, you know, that, Oh, I follow a few psychic groups on some of the socials and some of them, my God, anytime there's a natural disaster or something, there was a, volcano that erupted and i think it was greenland or iceland more recently mm-hmm. uh, any natural disaster one of them or multiple of them oh, will yeah. go on there and be like see i predicted this four years ago uh-huh. i said that a volcano would erupt but like no on earth no shocking yeah almost any big crime case that hits media these psychic people will show up yeah. to these places and try to be involved in some mm-hmm. way. And, you know, when the Delphi case happened, you know, Delphi is very close to us. And there were friends who I got involved with, and there was this production thing that happened. So I got invited to go to the trestle, the bridge that it all happened in. So I got. Why did I not know this? You don't know everything about my life, Kim. <laughs> so, anyway, so I went to it and. At that point, that was the first time I had ever seen the bridge, the trestle, and I get there, and there are all of these people who call themselves psychics at this bridge trying to give readings and drawings, and I mean, there was probably 10, 15 people, all who felt like they had certain gifts and stuff. But what I thought was more interesting is that all of them were trying to also give their feelings and their readings to the family members and detectives. Right. Which was interesting. And I've also dealt with another missing person case who immediately, right off the bat, when it hit the news, they were flooded with psychic people saying that, you know, hey, I know where your daughter is. I got this reading. She's trying to contact me. She was being held in a garage, and the family 
I was working with them on a podcast at the time. And they're like, should we believe this? I was like, look, I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. Right. Because there have per- been ones that have been right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my personal feeling was like, they're all giving you conflicting information, first of all. Mm-hmm. Like, this one is telling you that she was held in a trunk. Like, but anyway, what I also know is that around missing person cases, there is also fraudsters. Yes. There is this huge underground fraud that happens. And typically how it happens is your loved one goes missing, it hits the news or Facebook, and suddenly your loved ones get hit with these ransoms. It's either, hey, we have them, or hey, I am them. I've even seen cases where they've been able to hack into your loved one's Facebook account and then start messaging you. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine the feelings that I would have if that happened. And they try to get money and resources away from you. And I feel the same way about any person who says that they have an ability if they're trying to get any type of recognition or any type of money from it. Right. And my feeling at the time when they were telling these families this is just turn it over to the police. Turn it over to the police because you do not have the ability to go you know, arrest anyone, search those places. You're not a bounty hunter. Yeah, but I also know that if I have a loved one go missing, I want to hear everything and I will, you know, do my own thing. But they were being overwhelmed by people who said that they have this gift, this gift, that gift, and this other gift. And they were being just overwhelmed by people who were telling them, your loved one was, this is what happened to her, this is what happened to her. Pay me $29.99. Yes, that's exactly it. And it was all conflicting. And so they were like, we don't know who to believe. And I was like, you know, that's, what do you tell them? So, and I think also, because I've dealt so much with, with family members of victims, I know that they strongly want to hold out faith that their loved one is still okay. So when you have psychics and stuff, especially ones that are asking for money for their help. I think there is a vulnerability there. And the same way with those fraudsters who are trying to ask for a ransom or whatever, they know that these are vulnerable people Mm -hmm. who are going through a vulnerable time. And that's why they prey on them. Mm -hmm. So anytime I hear those stories, that's my immediate response to it just because that was my experience with it. But boy, we got into a rabbit hole in that, didn't we? (laughs) We can right. run those off. That's why Josh and I have a Facebook group called <laughs> The Rabbit Hole. Josh's Rabbit Hole. Yeah. yeah. We just fall down in them sometimes. I know. Well, we and so we want to let our listeners know that this is our first episode since we did the Ouija board sleepover at Kim's house. Ooh. So we are going to talk all about it, about what we did before and after and during on our unmasked episode. So if you joined us or if you didn't join us, you, you need to join us on Unmasked so you can hear all about it. Yep. We hired some male strippers for Kim. And I mean, that was the best $20 for 10 it minutes was. I've ever paid. We're already trying to figure out what our next live thing is it going to was. be. I loved hearing from everyone who joined how much fun that they had. Yes, and I did too. 
because it was our first time. We really didn't know what to expect. So why ain't said that? I'm went long. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that everybody had just as much fun as what we did because yes. we had a blast doing it. it yes, it was, and it was a lot of fun. It I was. Thought. Yeah. Before Kim and I were like, oh, we're nervous. What if there's a lot of dead time where we're not talking, but. I felt like we. Oh did a yeah, good job. it was good. It was good. Have you ever known all three of us to get together and <laughs> have know. something to talk about? <laughs> right, right. We're always talking about something. Right. All right, guys. So we're going to get into our mystery for today, and it's going to be a little different, isn't it, Kim? Yes, it is. Yeah, and it all started when I was at my home, and Kim sends Josh and I a text message because <laughs> we have a super duper chat group through text messaging. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say you come up with this. Oh, I should have said that. Uh-huh. It's all my idea. Because usually he does. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Kim messages Josh and I in our Mystery Inc. We call it the Mystery Inc. gang. Yeah. It's our chat group. And she said, have you guys watched The American Nightmare on Netflix? And at first, I have to be honest with you, Kim, I didn't see the word Netflix. I just saw Have you, because I I read it on my watch, Mm -hmm. have you watched American Nightmare? And I was like, no, I haven't watched that. So I Googled it real quick, American Nightmare. I don't know if you are aware of this. It's a series. Well. I was going to say, isn't it a movie or something It is a 1983 slasher film. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Okay. And this is the tagline. I ain't watching that. And this is what I thought you were talking about. And I was like, Kim, why the crap would you (laughs) talk about this randomly? (laughs) This is the tagline for this 1983 slasher film. Every year, girls move to the city determined to make their dreams come true or die trying. This is Hallmark. And I thought... (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's a Lifetime movie. (laughs) Lifetime original movie. And I thought, Kim, you don't normally talk about movies why I don't, crap wa- are you talking I don't watch about that? horror especially an old slasher yeah. flick yeah I don't do that and I thought what in the world is she talking about and as I'm like going down this rabbit hole of like why would Kim be telling us about this stupid movie called American Nightmare I saw that it was adapted from Jack the Ripper murders in London oh god did you know that <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe that's why And then finally you start saying, oh, my gosh, it's about this crazy case that's on Netflix. And I thought, oh, okay. That makes a little more sense. Yeah, it must be about something different. So we decided after Josh and I watched it, we thought we were so compelled by it that it would be a great mystery to talk about today. I agree. Kim, tell us all about it. What do you think? No, no, no. Kim, just walk us through the whole thing start to finish you're the one that has the notes in the front i don't have any notes you start 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 to finish i see your notes this is just for my beginning this talks about creamer so a lady and her boyfriend was at her boyfriend's house diane and aaron i don't remember last names right and no look you guys are already done (laughs) Denise. 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 There we go. Denise Huskins. And this is why I don't. And her boyfriend, Aaron Quinn. Right. He was cute. He was. I knew that Josh was going to say that. Oh, Mm -hmm. baby. Now, they both worked as physical therapists in a hospital in the Bay Area of Vallejo. Am I going to be the only person talking? Kim, I'm just trying to help you out. Just keep going. Keep on going. You're doing great. Okay, producer Kim. Well, Aaron had dated this one woman. Yes. Starts with Who an we A. don't like her. 
No. No. So he dated A. I, I, didn't, I didn't write her down. Miss A. Yeah, Miss A. But she had cheated up on him. She did. And, and when, then, when it came about that she cheated on him, I thought, no, she did not. No, she didn't. Uh-huh. But then Aaron, he dumped her, but then he had to go to therapy because it really messed him up. I know. He was trying to get back with her, but he was also talking to Denise. They all worked together at the same hospital. They In were the all same, physical therapists. Yep. But we don't know. We never heard if... Old girlfriend, because they were fiancés. Yes. Aaron and the girl that he was with. Miss they A. Were, yeah, Miss A. We think that's probably it. Yeah, I don't it remember what her be. name. Not yeah. important. Yeah. <laughs> but they were together, engaged. Mm-hmm. She cheated. He ended it, went to therapy. Yeah. Then he met Denise. Yes. And they were taking it kind of slowly. He was yeah. still, you know, I did. I did think it was a little... Weird. It's a weird situation though because the, all three of them worked at the same place. Yeah. Oh, well, I the didn't same realize hospital. the first one did too. Yeah. Well, all well, three as of them. Adults, it's really hard to meet people. You meet them mostly at work. Unless yeah. You go yeah. to the bars. Yeah. Or... So they, they all three must have been physical therapists because I know that the two of them were. So his ex must have been a physical therapist too because mm-hmm. they said they all worked at the same place. And we're talking about the Bay Area of Vallejo, California in the year 2015. Cute little town. Yeah. I like the little yellow house that he lived in. Josh said yellow. Yellow. Yeah. It was a cute little yellow. Yellow little, little yellow, yellow house. house. Yeah. It was a really cute neighborhood. So they were dating and they were asleep on March 23rd, 2015. And then at three o'clock in the morning, they were woken up by flashlights, a red lasers, and what they thought was a group of people. And those group of people made a comment about them being in wetsuits, which I thought, oh my gosh, can you imagine like being woken up, like dead sleep? There's lasers going on. There are people talking. I think I was being abducted. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like by aliens. Yeah. Yeah. And then you hear someone say, we have wetsuits on. And then they instructed the couple, hey, you guys need to wake up. They told them it was a robbery. And they tie him up they with zip ties. They made her tie him up. Yeah. And they use zip ties. And they had duct tape covered over some goggles that they put over their eyes. I thought that was real, like, I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's no, real weird. And then they put headphones on them. Mm-hmm. And the headphones had a pre-recorded message. And it said that if they don't take the sedative, that they would have to forcefully inject them with drugs. And they had like tasers. Yeah. And the wasn't it a mix with uh, NyQuil and something else? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the recording, you know, said that it was a group of people, I think, and that they were going to take someone for 48 hours and they would give them instructions, basically. And I think that the recording also said, you know, don't call the police. We will give you all the instructions you need, blah, blah, blah. We'll be watching you. So they tell Denise that they're going to take her for 48 hours and they take her and they put her in Aaron's trunk. So they take his car, they put her in his trunk and they drive off with her. So she mentions at some point they stop and she gets moved to the trunk of a different car and she describes it as it sounded like a Mustang. And I think we all kind of know the difference of a sounding Mustang. Like they has this specific roar of an engine. <laughs> I wouldn't. Josh well, what would be the like, car sound like? 
Vroom. It was pretty. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Josh. That's... Burden, burden. <laughs> I remember when I had gotten a new car, I had the Dodge Challenger. There we go. And someone made a comment. Were you driving it or something? No, you and I had went to BK where Grandma lived to pick oh, us yeah. all up a, a it was hamburger stand, and I went in to pick it up. <laughs> and someone made a comment to Josh about how they liked my car, and Josh goes, "It's pretty, isn't it?" An old white man. That's a nice blah blah whatever the hell it was. It's pretty. It's pretty, isn't it? So anyway, so Aaron was instructed not to contact the police, and they tell him in the recording, that he's going to be monitored. Yeah, they put a camera up on the wall. Yeah. So he wakes up. Now, there's tape around the couch. Did you see that on the carpet? It's showing him where he needs to stay in. Right. Did Mm -hmm. you see that Yeah, it was like a box or something. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a camera that was installed in the corner of the living room that he Mm -hmm. was in watching him. How crazy can you be? Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine just waking up? All that happened, you'd be in a daze because of being sedated. Did they leave him tied up? Like, did he have to undo himself? Yeah, I believe that he had to untie himself and everything. So they must have carried him into the living room is what I'm assuming. Because I believe that he woke up in the living room. So there's, I mean, there's a camera. He has his phone because he ends up getting an, an email. And the email asked him to transfer them a certain amount of money. 15,000. Yeah, I can't yes. remember the, the amount. And so he 000. responded and he said, hey, I checked and I can only do this amount. And I think it was half of that. Like 3,000 yeah. something. And th- then he didn't hear anything back. It was quiet. He never got any response. And so after a while, he got really worried and he thought, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and call the police. They told me not to call the police, but... Of anyone who can help get Denise back, it's going to be the police. Right. I feel like everyone would probably think that, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I would would do that. By the time he called police, it had been 12 hours since Denise had been taken. Yeah, yeah. So... Did it say how long he was actually out? Well, I don't think that he was awake for very long, but I don't remember that either. So after the police get there, they go through the house and they bring him into the station. And they start questioning him. You know, what happened? And Detective Mustard. Yes. Isn't that such a weird name? Detective Mustard. Well, and I don't like mustard. I would. I like like mustard on my hot dogs. Well, now you don't, Kim, because (laughs) Detective Mustard was a butthole. Put a sour taste in Mm -hmm. our mouth. And Detective Mustard starts out just listening and. What's crazy is they have all of the footage so you can watch and listen. And Aaron was very genuine and he just lays out what happened. And you could tell that he was really confused and scared. And then all of a sudden, Detective Mustard starts asking questions. Well, did you really love Denise? And Aaron's like, yes. And then those questions evolve into accusations. Accusations. Yeah. So then you can kind of see where he becomes a suspect. And then Mustard says things like, I'm here to get the real answer out of you. We or, don't believe what really in happened. frog people abducting her. Yeah. What'd you do with the body? I remember when this happened. And I think the only reason I remember it is because of those strange things that had happened, like the wetsuits and 
the goggles and that type of thing. I remember seeing it on the news. Right. Oh, yeah. I, Detective Mustard, I did not care for him, especially when he's like just going at this guy who was proven to be innocent of everything yeah. he's being accused of. And, you know, after working in the true crime world for only a few years now, you know, like the tactics that yeah. they use, mm-hmm. like, oh, sorry about the jail clothes. You're not under arrest. That's just all we had. Mm-hmm. No, you're wanting to make him feel right. like an inmate and right. uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. And then the, we believe you killed her. The longer mm-hmm. it takes, your own family's going to think of you as a monster. Just, right. and I'm like, he, he didn't do it. Right. right. And especially because they did ask him oh, a few times, can you tell me what happened again? And he, they'd make him start all over again and tell him the whole thing. And, it never he never wavered. It was the same thing right. every right. time they asked him. Yeah. So it, you knew he was telling the truth. And he was even genuine in telling and being honest about how he had gone through his relationship with his ex-girlfriend. He had messaged her more recently. Yeah. And another bizarre thing that happened is when the people arrived in the home, they thought Denise was his ex-girlfriend. Right. And it was all for her. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, we actually came for her, but I guess we'll just take Denise instead. I'd and so he tells, right? He so tells mad. this to the police. And so the police are like, well, tell us about her. And they bring her in for questioning too. And he's honest and he's like, we were fiancés and I did still care for her. And Denise and I recently had a conversation because I was being a little dishonest with Denise by continuing to talk to her. But we settled all of that and, you know, we were on good terms. So he was, I mean, I felt like he was being very honest throughout the whole Mm -hmm. thing. There was nothing that made me think that he was being deceitful. So when the detective like turned the page and then kept the page turned, it was very surprising to me. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening next was the FBI got involved. And so they ended up setting him in with an FBI agent who did a lie detector exam with him. And they do a lie detector exam. Now, the problem with this, of course, I would never do a lie detector exam, first of all. Never. They don't in count in my, court, do they? No. No. So with lie detector exams, first thing is that, as Josh said, it will not get you out of the crime. If they think that you are guilty, it's not going to help or hurt you. Like, it's not going to help you one way or the other. Right. And you can fail it for a number of reasons. Which he did. Yeah, which they told him he did. Yeah. But there is no right or wrong answer. So, for example, I have interviewed a former FBI agent who has performed these tests before. And he has said that these tests can be thrown off by a number of events. And one of them can be stress. Clearly, Aaron would have been stressed from this event because these people were in his home. But the FBI agent thought he was lying. Mm -hmm. So that would have given them a false test. They thought he was lying when they went to the house after the first police call. They said it was looked like they had cleaned up recently and it was Mm -hmm. too clean. And there was like they painted the scene like they had just had this massive party, but there were like four beer cans right. left out from the night before and two, yeah. three glasses have right. her bed. Yeah, and the detective was like, well, why was there no blanket on the bed? That would be the perfect case if someone got rid of a body. 
And Aaron's like, I have no idea. I'm just telling you what I know. But anyway, so you, there's a number of reasons why you could fail the test. Right. And it's not going to get you out of the crime. It's just going to hurt you, I feel like. I mean, I would never agree to do one. Didn't they later say that they had told him that he failed it, but didn't later it come out that he actually passed it? I think so. I think like they, inconclusive. I think it was, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was inconclusive. But I think that the FBI agent was just trying to get it out of him. And what we also later find out is that the, the very FBI agent had been an ex-boyfriend of his ex fiance yeah. And they even reported it as a conflict of interest. Yeah. Right. Like, eh, and he's no, not, no, there's no conflict more there. More conflict. Yeah, right. Yeah. How like can she that was not the be a one reason we this happened to us. <laughs> yeah, I have a big problem with the FBI sometimes. I know for Sister Kathy's case, we have been trying to help the Malecki family get access to some of the documents for their case. And we know the FBI destroyed all the physical evidence in Joyce Malecki's case in the mid 80s for absolutely no reason. So it frustrates me when the FBI makes mistakes and makes errors like that. Like that should not have happened mm -hmm. that an ex-boyfriend was interrogating an ex-fiance of his ex-girlfriend. Right. Clearly should not have happened. No. And then when someone reported it, nothing happened. Oh, we don't see that that's a problem. Right. In what world would that not be a problem? But the Anybody's problem, but the FBI. Yeah, <laughs> but the problem is there's just not enough oversight, it seems, with the FBI. You know, they just evidently, whatever. But anyway, so the FBI agent ends up giving him this test. He lies and says that Aaron failed it. And Aaron breaks down and he's like, well, then I guess I need an attorney because I didn't do anything to Denise. I'm telling you the truth. And so that's when the FBI agent backs out because at that point he's asked for an attorney so they can't talk to him anymore. And while after that happened, they show you different clips of him sitting in the interrogation room. Breaking down. And breaking down. At one point he was laying down in a fetal position one point he was in the corner just crawling yeah. and I just felt so mm -hmm. bad for him. They were just relentlessly yeah. Yeah. going, they were. like calling him a monster and a killer. What'd you do with her rotting corpse? Like, yeah. Jesus. Now, now here is my go-to. I understand if your loved one goes missing, you need to help and be there and answer questions. The moment that I get pulled into an interrogation room, I do not recall I need an attorney. Mm -hmm. I am not playing. Mm -hmm. I have seen no. too many cases like this. Try where to they spin were, it. Mm -hmm, no. I want my attorney here to tell me exactly why you cannot to work. Me, you're going to be my attorney because that's I'm not be an the attorney. one I call you. I'll be coming in there, Kim. Don't worry. I'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, mm -mm, I would not be doing any lie detector tests. None of that. And they can't, unless they're going to arrest you, they can't hold you. So they were holding him and... That's the first thing the attorney did. Unless you're going yeah. to arrest him, he's going with me. And the problem also is that he probably felt like he had to do these things. Like he had to do the lie detector right. test. He well, had to want, do these things. You want to do it to help them. You want to help them yeah. find the person that done innocent. this. Prove that you're not right. the one that done it. And all that does is make it worse. Yeah. So at some point in time... The media, they've started reporting on this. Well, there's a local news person 
who ends up getting an email, a random email, and it was of audio, and it was Denise. Mm-hmm. The audio from Denise said, hi, this is Denise. I'm okay, except I've been kidnapped. And she gave some recent event so that people would know that she just recently recorded it. Wasn't it a volcano or... A plane a, crash in the Alps? Okay, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, it was. Yeah. And so that everyone would know it was a recent recording. A proof of life. Yes. Yep. And so this guy sent it off to the police. And when the police received it, that turned in from, oh, Aaron did this, to, oh, Denise is involved. And Aaron and Denise have done this together. So then the police have pulled in her family. And then they start questioning her family. And they're asking her family about her background. And, oh, I got floored when her family are, you know, they're trying to help. So they're giving them all the information they're asking. And so the family's like, yes, she was sexually abused as a child. And the detectives have the audacity to say that some women who have been abused in the past will create fake scenarios like this to get attention. And so they can relive it. Yeah. I'm like, in what world? Right. Why would you want to live that? Has heard of this? Never. No. So then, if that couldn't get deep enough, they have created this false fantasy and they started using the words Gone Girl from the Gone Girl movie that had come out a year before. Mm-hmm. I had never, I've watched, never watched the it. movie. It's, very, it's a good movie. Have you it's watched very it? very similar, yeah. Now, tell me about the movie. What happens in the movie? They made flashbacks to the movie in the Netflix series. I don't remember the whole thing. I just It's very similar in this. It was a happy married couple, or they might have been engaged. Just a happy couple, and Ben Affleck's the husband, and I can't remember the woman's name. And throughout the movie, like, she disappears and he reports her missing and, you know, the court of public opinions blaming him, saying Mm. he killed her and she just took off and she's out hiding. But then she starts to see, like, oh, he's going to get put in prison for my murder. And she, like, returns at the end. It's very dramatic, covered in blood. And when she gets to his arm, she, oh. Passes out, like, very dramatized okay. version of, but it's very similar to this. And I think that movie just helped hype up the court of public opinion where everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, they're just doing this for attention. And, yeah. like, it's a scam and they're wanting money right. and attention. Yeah, and I think that it also didn't help because the police were throwing this all on them as well, saying that, oh, we don't believe them. We think this is all... Yeah, the, they're making it all up. The one in the press, he went straight up to on a press interview and was saying they've taken away valuable all the resources. resources from yeah. our community and need to be held accountable. Yeah, that guy really pissed me off. Yeah. I just wanted to go up and punch him in the face. I know. So he ends up saying that we because... We don't condone violence here at Mystery. Right. <laughs> of course not. So that ends up happening because 48 hours after the incident, Denise shows up at her father's home. 400 miles away in Huntington Beach. Yeah, 400 miles away. Yeah, and that is when the Vallejo Police Department hold this press conference. Now, they hadn't spoken yet to Aaron, and they also haven't spoken to Denise or her family. They hold this press conference, and the spokesperson gets up there and says, We've been lied to. We've been lied to. This is a whole conspiracy. 
We're going to look at pressing charges against them for taking away all these valuable resources. They were looking, they were diving and searching everywhere for this white lady. Yeah. And so they were talking about the millions of dollars that have been spent, all this stuff. And so can you imagine being Denise and Aaron watching this on the news, just thinking, we just have gone through hell. Right. And here the very police department who's supposed to be helping us is now throwing us under the bus. Mm. They were getting messages for, you should oh kill gosh, yourself, yes, you should yeah. be dead. Like, People are ruthless, oh. ruthless. Yeah. See, I remember when this all came out. I remember when they went and done that. I remember watching that that news report of that guy saying these things to him. I'm like, oh my God, this whole thing has just been nothing but a fake. Right. And that's the last I ever heard from it. I had no idea whatever happened to it until I stumbled upon this and watched it. And then I'm like, That's here what I happened? went all, yeah, here I went all these years thinking this lady and this guy had cooked up all of this stuff and it was nothing but a big old fake. Because when you find out what really happens, it's not in the news. You don't hear it. Well, I the never police heard department it. didn't want, oh, we actually didn't know what the hell we were talking about. Exactly. They're yeah. not going to admit that they were wrong. And a lot of media places don't issue huge apologies because when the police issued this whole statement about this is a whole gone girl incident a year after the movie and they faked all this stuff that sold a lot of newspapers and a lot of people watched on the news you watched it from indiana this Mm -hmm. is a california case you know you you remembered it but when they were found to be wrong that doesn't hit the news in indiana i just i think that is so wrong Mm -hmm. yeah If, if you find out that whatever you were reporting on is not correct you should set the record straight. Let people know that, no, that's not what really happened. This is what really yeah. happened. That's what your job is supposed to be, right. is to tell the truth. Well, and imagine, instead like, of trying to De- hide it. Denise and Aaron, they both work in the same place at a hospital. You can't go back to work all of a sudden no. because everyone thinks that you are these fraudsters. Yeah, they hate you. They yeah. hate you. You took all these resources away yeah. from the community, and you're just suddenly made everybody. Demonized. Yeah, made everybody and their brother out looking for you. Yeah, you can't it was go back. All to, a scam. Yeah, you can't go back to your normal life after that. Yeah. So the same guy in the media who got the same email from Denise with the audio, he ends up getting this random email one day. Another email. And this random email said, Denise is telling the truth. And he also includes photos. And the photo was of this gun with a laser on it. And he also gets an email that lays out that this is a group of three people who were friends. And I think, I can't remember exactly, but it did also say that one of them was an ex-Marine or something. Yeah, whether it was a Marine or not, I don't know. But I remember them saying that it was ex-military. Yeah, that might have been it. One of them was ex-military. I remember that they said that they were three friends. It showed a picture of the gun with a laser. And it was supposed to be proof that Denise wasn't making it all up. And it was this group. So this guy in the media is like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go give this to the police. Gives us the police. Police, I guess, don't take it seriously because nothing ever happens of it. Well, then he gets another email saying, this is the group again. If the police aren't going to take this seriously, we're going to take someone else. Can you imagine being that guy? The reporter? Yeah, sitting in a coffee shop 
get this random email saying, hey, you know, I'm getting real tired of you all blaming Denise, saying that we don't exist. We did all this work and now we get no No recognition for it. So we're going to take someone else. And like this guy is sitting here like, Look, I've been sending, I've been sending these emails. Right. I've been forwarding them. I send them. I swear. <laughs> Please don't, don't do it. But still, the Vallejo PD was not taking it seriously. In their mind, case closed. Yeah, he did it. We ain't got. Yeah. They lied. He did it. Now, they, I think now would be a good time to walk through what happened to Denise. What she says happened to her. So when she was taken. You know, she was put into the trunk. She was moved to a different trunk to what sounded like a Mustang. And she was taken to what seemed like a secluded location. And it was at night. She remembers that this man lived to what seemed like a normal life. She was kept in a small room, locked in this small room. She wasn't supposed to get off the bed. And during the day, she said she had to keep on those goggles that had the tape over them. He would play French pop music. Yes, and he was making his toast and living what seemed like a normal life outside yeah. of her room. And the way that she described just the way that he lived his normal life, it kind of made me think that he was separated from what was happening mm. behind that door, you know, that he was just having a normal life out there. And she does lay out a few instances of her being sexually assaulted by him. And, oh, my gosh, they were just so horrible to hear and walk through. But each time he tells her that he has to film it in case she goes to the police. So it was supposed to be a way to prevent her from reporting it to the police. Leverage. Mm -hmm. Yes. You go to the cops, we release these online. Yeah, and I think it was also seemed like a way to get her to, I don't know, feel more comfortable. Because it was almost like after each time he would give her more privileges right after the first time he allowed her to go take a shower and then when she came back to the room she was allowed to remove her goggles when he wasn't in there well and they did it the first time and then he said he had to do it again be- and she had to make it seem like like she, she enjoyed, she enjoyed it. it yes which is why i think he told her that because most rapists they are turned on by the the fight back, the fear, but mm-hmm. I don't, he had that, that oh, form yeah. of... It didn't seem like he was that type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also, at one point, had her remove the goggles and they had tape instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I also thought it was interesting, at one time, she mentioned that he told her that some of the other people in the group were going to be there and they were not as nice as him, so she needed to be very quiet. Mm-hmm. And... She remembered hearing them come into the home. She heard the car pull up, them come to the home. They were all talking out there. She remembered them leaving, getting into the car, and then pulling out. And then him coming back into the room. And another sexual assault encounter happened after that. He sexually assaulted her a total of twice. Mm-hmm. That she shared, at least. Yeah. 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 So after the 48 hours, he ends up putting her into a passenger seat of that Mustang. And he ends up driving her to Huntington Beach to her dad's house. He drugs her again. Yeah. He Mm -hmm. sedates her. And he puts on those goggles. And so she can't see very well, but she said that she could kind of make out some things in the car. 
And so once they get to Huntington Beach, he lets her out of the car and he drives off. But he makes sure to tell her that she will be talking to police at some point. And she was not to tell them that they had sex because the group would take it out on her by taking her again or taking someone in her family. So once he dropped her off, she walked around the corner and realized that she was in the same neighborhood as her dad. So she walked up to her dad's house. Apparently, maybe it was a neighbor's house, it sounded like. No, it was her dad's house. Yeah, it was her dad's. But he wasn't home and a neighbor came. That's right. So then she goes inside. And at some point in time, the local police arrived and they start questioning her. She initially tells the local police that she was not sexually assaulted, of course, because she was worried because of what he had just told her. But the local police, after this questioning, the local police told her that the Vallejo Police Department wanted her to call them so that they could offer her a plea deal. Now, when that was all said in this documentary, I thought I would probably burn that effing house down if... The person who had just taken me, just dropped me off. I've been in this house literally an hour, maybe. Mm-hmm. And this police officer is telling me that the Vallejo Police Department wants me to call them so they can offer me a play deal. Be like, for the fuck what? Yeah. So that's how she kind of felt. She's like, for what? I didn't do anything. I'm the victim. Yeah. So it confused her and her family. So they decided that. Maybe we need to get an attorney involved. And yes, uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly what, yeah, yeah, I'm glad she did. So her and her family contacted an attorney and they went to the attorney and the attorney got her to explain what all happened. She told him about the sexual assault and he's like, I understand that he told you that it's all fear. Don't give into it. You need to just lay it all out for the police department so that they can try to catch him. And so the attorney accompanied her to the Vallejo Police Department. As they get to the police department and report everything, the sexual assaults, everything. And then, of course, she's sitting there with her attorney, with Detective Mustard again. And boy, if I, as my grandma would say, if I had a wet washed rag, I would just beat the living crap out of him. It's a wet wash rag? (laughs) A wet wash rag. Yeah, you never heard of that? My grandma used to say that. So... The detective starts questioning her and is listening to what she says. But you could tell from his demeanor that he was just not believing her. But she was so believable, I felt like. So I was getting so frustrated about when I was watching it. Yeah, and then all of too. a sudden, his questioning just turns. And he's just being a big butthole. Why you know? do you guys do this? What, yes. You know, but, sitting oh there folding gosh. towels like, you ass. Yeah. <laughs> Multitasking. <laughs> I was folded towels. Yeah, Josh, no, I was right there with you. When I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I could not even imagine being in her situation. But laying out what all happened and like the emotions of having to relive it by telling mm-hmm. it, and then the, the officer having the audacity right. to blame you. To blame you. And you're just like, how do you get someone to believe you? Like, what? So I just was feeling all the emotions in that moment. When she said, too, in her life previously, she was sexually assaulted as a little girl. 
again when she was like 19 in college. Mm -hmm. And the second time she had reported it and they just brushed her off. So this was now the third time she's been sexually assaulted and telling an authority figure just to be brushed off again. Yeah. Right. And she's like, what does someone have to do to me for people to believe me? Right. Kill you, apparently. Yeah. So we mentioned earlier how the news guy had received emails. Mm-hmm. And he had the emails he received saying this group was going to take someone else. Well, there ends up being an attempted kidnapping. So this man ends up entering a home and he tried to take someone. 20-something-year-old girl. Well, yeah. So he ends up trying to take this girl, and a cell phone was left. So they end up calling. I don't know if if you guys ever have had this, but I have found a phone on the side of the road before. And the first thing I do when I find it, if I can get it unlocked, is I'll try to find someone who is labeled as mom, dad, sister, or brother. Right. And call. Immediate family. Yeah. So I think that's what the detective did. He called mom and so the detective was pretty smart and i think that he just disguised it not as hey we just found this at the scene of a crime you know he just said hey we found this phone who who does it belong to and she's like oh it belongs to my son his name is matthew muller and he's up at my cabin at south lake tahoe perfect which was a hundred and something miles away yeah yeah. from that place yeah it was a pretty decent trip now, I have been to South Lake Tahoe, to that area. And when I went on that little trip, I stopped at Lake Tahoe and I drove all the way around Lake Tahoe. And so I remember stopping at this place that had all the the cabins in the, the South Lake Tahoe region. So although I wasn't looking for this cabin, if I would have known the address, I definitely would have looked it up. But That's funny, Josh. I don't remember seeing that. Do you? No, we were on our way back home. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you've never been to Lake Tahoe, Kim? No, no. Just Lake Titicaca. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful lake. Oh, I bet it is. But, so, back to the story. So, this woman, this Sergeant Misty, Sergeant Misty, I'm, I'm not sure how her last name is pronounced. The only police person in the whole dang <laughs> show that actually did yes, something that right. did work. The only one who didn't make me furiated. So, Sergeant Misty, she was a detective at Dublin, California, which can I just say, doesn't that sound like a pleasant place? Dublin, California. And did you see on the little city emblem, they had like the four-leaf clovers? Oh, yeah. Makes me want to go to Ireland. Yes. It's on my list. (laughs) I thought that was so cute. So, Sergeant Misty, she's a detective in Dublin, California. She ends up going up to the lake at South Lake Tahoe and she goes up to the cabin and they arrest him. They arrest Matthew Muller for this attempted kidnapping. Now they find that Matthew was an ex-Marine. He has a law degree. He formerly practiced as an attorney. Mm-hmm. And they kind of describe him as pretty attractive. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'm with Josh. He gave off creeper vibes to me. He, yeah, he has a, a certain creeper vibe, but I also don't know if that was because we're watching footage of him being arrested and stuff. So we right. kind of know his, you know, we kind of know what he has done. So while searching the cabin, Sergeant Misty noticed that there's coverings over the windows. You know, that's not normal. 
And then she noticed that there were some goggles on the floor and she saw that they had black tape covered over them. And there was a piece of long blonde hair on the tape. So she thought, oh, well, this is interesting. Wasn't that on the headphones? No, it was on the goggles. goggles. Oh, okay. Then she finds a toy gun with a laser on it. And we know, she didn't know this, but we know that it matched the photos that was sent to the media. And that the, the one that they attempted to kidnap had dark hair. So she knew that that, yeah. that long blonde hair did not didn't belong match. to that. Right. They also find a stolen Mustang there at the cabin. And so she starts searching for the owner of that stolen Mustang. And I thought this was so interesting. So she ends up calling the owner. And I feel like, I don't know this, but I feel like that owner of that Mustang must have been a true crime fan. <laughs> like he probably attends crime con. Crime con. <laughs> because I say that because she was explaining the phone call. It seemed like a long phone call. Because she's like, yeah, I call him up and... You know, I'm like, hey, I have your Mustang, and I found this guy. And the guy who owned the Mustang is telling her, oh, have you heard about the Peeping Tom case on Mare Island? And so the guy walked her through what happened about this Peeping Tom who would peep in at different places. Like college girls getting dressed. Yeah, and- around this island, and... They thought that it was him. They thought that it was this guy. And you know, I guess it never got very far. And then this guy, again, the owner of the Mustang, is like, have you ever heard of that Vallejo case with Denise? So this guy, I mean, he just seems to be the true crime guy who just <laughs> made all the connections. If you go to CrimeCon, look us up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all Come right. On. We'll give you a hug if he's candy. Yeah. So because of her calling this guy, they were able to make all these connections. And so eventually she starts to believe she's watching the videos of Denise for the Vallejo case. And she's thinking, you know, that long blonde hair kind of looks like the blonde hair of this girl, Denise. So she ends up calling the Vallejo PD and she... And I love the way she described it. She's like, you know, I, I had to wait for a really long time. I'm I'm calling them. No one's answering. I was like, that's calling a problem. Calling them multiple times. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, again. no one's doing their job there, apparently. Exactly. That's the problem. And then eventually she gets a hold of someone. And they tell her, oh, we're not handling it. The FBI is. And so she ends up having to call that FBI agent again. The same FBI agent who is the ex-boyfriend of Aaron's ex-girlfriend, ex-fiance. I couldn't get over that. No. Anyway, so ex-boyfriend of Aaron's ex-fiance FBI agent tells Denise that, um, okay, I guess I'll look at it. But you can just tell by the way that Denise was talking about it Mm-mm, that they to. weren't real interested in it. Which, you know, they do get a lot of kooks calling in like oh i have evidence i have proof or even people saying that they did it mm-hmm. just for god knows why yeah but the fact that this was a detective right in another area and with when she called she tells him i have all this information i am certain this is the guy who did this like did i have a hair yeah evidence and i found all this information and they were like okay just send it over to me i'll take a look at it You know, like she was ready to like lay it all out on the phone 
and drive there and he's just like okay send it over and i'll look at it <laughs> you just tell how when i have she time was. i'll take All a look right. so eventually after a long while i'm sure matthew moeller gets connected to the case and they finally realize that oh these two have been telling the truth this entire time and boy, didn't you just want to pull your freaking hair out? Mm-hmm. And you're, I mean, because the entire time you're watching this, you're like, yes, uh-huh. You just want to smack them all. And just They've been trying them. to tell you. Yes. Yep, for a long time. So Matthew, he ends up getting sentenced to 40 years because of all of this. And one thing that I thought was interesting is that Denise has said throughout this entire thing, that she doesn't believe that Matthew could have done it all alone. Mm-hmm. And so she always continues to fault the FBI and Vallejo for continually, even still, to not take them seriously to think that other people could have been involved with it. So eventually the couple sue Vallejo for defamation. And mm-hmm. I thought, yes, mm-hmm. I'm glad. Because they won too. Yes, yes, they did. And I think it's so important. So they end up settling for $2.5 million. And during this whole process of the lawsuit, it came out of the police chief. So earlier we mentioned that after Denise was released, the Vallejo police had a press conference where they said, you know, they've done all these resources away from us, but they're responsible. They lied to us. Yeah. Well, it came out that the very police chief told that guy who went out and said that, he told him, to quote, and I'm going to get a little dirty here. He said, quote, burn that bitch. I hear that on a daily basis from you. Uh, I do not I do not say that. But I'm telling you what. I think they should have put him yeah. like. He should have <sighs> had to give up his position. Right. He but he should have. Ha- I mean, in my opinion, I feel very strongly when the fault for people being falsely accused is Clearly on the fault of bad police work, of bad detectives. Because clearly, one good detective was able to easily figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Well, and they didn't believe him from the get-go because when they were interviewing him, he told them, they're going to call me again on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. They took his phone, put it, it in airplane mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First two days, it was two days that it was unserviceable and... Denise said that if they would have just checked the phone, because they they did receive, you know, yep. two contacts, phone calls. Yeah, that she probably wouldn't have gotten sexually assaulted the second time. Well, they said that because those two phone calls came in, it would have came from Within Matthew's. Within 24 hours. It, it came from Matthew's cabin, and they would have been able to trace, trace them. Yeah, they were traceable up to, like, 200 feet yeah, from where she was them. kept. Yeah. And I mean, they're just absolutely oh, airplane no mode. We don't believe him. He's and lying. I think 2.5 million. I think that's low. Yeah. I, I think when you're looking at a defamation case like that against a city who treated people that way, right. I mean, the amount is supposed to prevent them or anyone else from doing something like this again. So, and then you also have to think they couldn't work for a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. Right. And then can you imagine the amount of stress that they had to go through? I mean, getting death threats yes. constantly every day. And then if you do leave the house, everybody hates you. Yes. I mean, I just can't imagine 
that 2.5 million would ever solve any of that. I mean, Mm-mm. a lifetime of therapy? Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. All because they just had it in their mind. Nope, it's the boyfriend. He did it. We yeah. Don't, we don't even need to investigate. I think that all of those detectives and the police chief involved, they all should have faced disciplinary action. One of them, I, I think it might have been Detective Mustard. God, no one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Disgusting. I can't stand it. That's I almost Absolutely had to turn disgusting. it off because I was just like I can't stand yes. these. I must have missed. I must have got up to go to the bathroom. I don't remember here. You probably that blocked was the very it out. End, like you probably blocked was talking it out. about. You know yeah. when it showed because the couple ended up. They're still together. They yeah, were they married and have they two daughters. Married, and had two babies. Boy, the way I would be a helicopter <sighs> parent. Like mm-hmm. every window and door and nook and cranny no would have kidding. an alarm on it. They're sleeping mm-hmm. in our room. We got a right. deadbolt. All right, so I I will say that during our unmasked, I've dug up some new information Ooh. about the case that I'll share. I like when and we're going to go over our Ouija board night at oh, Kim's yeah, house. Sleepover. But first, before we oh. go into our unmasked, Josh, what is your bless your heart for oh, today? Yeah. Well, today's Bless Your Heart comes from Fayetteville, North Carolina. In the aftermath of a recent storm in North Carolina, the Fayetteville Animal Protection Society discovered a touching surprise at their doorstep that both broke and uplifted them. A group of puppies that was left with a note. The note was written by a nameless, unhoused man and explained the heartbreaking circumstances that led him to rescue them. He had been regularly feeding a local stray dog, and he discovered that the mother had been tragically hit by a car. And determined to provide the puppies with a chance at a better life, despite his own homelessness, he left them at the shelter doorstep with a heartfelt plea that read, Please help. I have found these puppies sadly after noticing a local stray dog that I would often feed when I could, dead by the road. She had been hit by a car. I knew from feeding her that she had puppies somewhere, and after searching where I would usually see her, I found them. I'm sorry for leaving them like this, but I myself am homeless and cannot afford to care for them. My heart shatters for them and their mother, and I just want them to be given the chance their mother, like myself, was never given. Please do not think poorly of me, but it felt wrong leaving them alone in the cold on a mother that would not be coming home. Sincerely, Nameless Man. Well, the Fayetteville Animal Protection Society took to their social media pages to which they wrote, To this compassionate individual, wherever you are, we want you to know that your act of kindness has not gone unnoticed. Your empathy in the face of adversity gives us hope and inspiration, and we promise to honor your selfless gesture by giving these puppies the love and care they deserve. And, if you're up for it, please swing by the shelter to visit the puppies and get a proper thank you. As of yesterday, the man's identity still hasn't been released, but to him, wherever he may be, and to the little puppies and the Fayetteville Animal Care Society, I give them all a big old bless your heart, because that was just a cute mm-hmm. little... Yeah. That's just a... They would have died if he hadn't have done it. Right. right. And I just I hate when people do that to no, him. me too. I've, the people are in a special place in hell that put puppies and kittens in a an old sack and throw it in like oh, a river or something. So oh my God. Heartless. There used to be a 
Netflix thing out. It was called Don't F with Cats. Yeah. Shane and I was going to watch it one day. <laughs> and I mean, we're into true crime. We talk about it all the time. But within the first two seconds of the thing, it looked like he was going to drown the kitten. And we're like, no, I can't do it. And we, yeah, we turned it off. I remember seeing them at CrimeCon Vegas. Mm -hmm. I was like, I haven't seen your show, but obsessed with your whole look. The blonde (laughs) lady, like her glasses. Right ahead, lady. Yeah, there we go. It's been a few years. (laughs) I met a lot of people there. Yeah, that was my bless your heart for the day. A little homeless, unhoused, whatever. Whatever we call them these days. I still say homeless, but I've been corrected <laughs> that it's unhoused now. Which oh, I didn't know it had changed. I, I'm like, it, it means the same thing. Right. I bless just, their hearts. Yeah, bless them. Bless them and bless people who correct people. Bless the hearts <laughs> of the people who send in corrections. Right. That's for dang sure. <laughs> I'm like, listen, anytime I get a comment on any of my posts about spelling. I'm like, listen, we come from a family where fire is pronounced far. So With give us a break. No educations. In right. mm-hmm. Yeah, I get a lot of those. A lot of emails. A lot of emails, is for sure. Well, I never correct it because English isn't everybody's first language in this mm-hmm. country. And, you know, it's a difficult language to get. And sometimes you might forget a comma in the right spot right. on the title of an episode. It's move past it. Don't well, comment in all caps. And we were also raised by someone who had an eighth grade education. Right. So those are the words that we learned. So yeah. we learned how to say things by someone who had an eighth grade education. I know where the apostrophe goes when I'm spelling y'all. Right. So <laughs> And if you don't like it, I have some pie for you. <laughs> Got a real good recipe. Mm-hmm. Brewing. <laughs> well, do we have anything else? Or I should I do so. our, our outro? Go ahead. Go right ahead. Well, we would like to give a special thank you, Jesus, to our loyal and brilliant patrons and your exceptional taste in podcast. We appreciate all of you and hope that you enjoy Unmasked. And the rest of you, don't forget to follow Mr. Inc. on Instagram or join us on Patreon to hear our bonus episodes of Unmasked that we do right after Kim and I go potty. You can find us on both platforms under at It's Mystery Inc. And you can also join us on Shane and Josh's rabbit hole where you can hear us go down our holes that we often do. (laughs) And you can go to our website, itsmysteryinc.com. There you can listen to any of our episodes, enjoy photos of us, and even submit ideas for mysteries or positive news that you've heard of or you've personally done for Bless Your Heart. Or if you'd like one of my Amazonite necklaces or little tiny crystal dicks. And don't forget to find us on YouTube now and like and subscribe and share our videos, please. There you go. Unless you don't like it, then keep it going. You're trash. <laughs> <laughs> Just move on along. Keep on going. There's a spell and error. Keep it to yourself. Right. You know what we mean. <laughs> Everybody's human. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and get on my starter. Because yeah, that's tease going straight through. It is. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.